Meet Amanda. She was not feeling well all around. She had digestive issues, brain fog, fatigue, and trouble losing weight. Nothing was coming up in her tests, and her doctors kept saying that they didn't know what was wrong and even alluded to the fact that some of this was in her head. Yes, I know, beyond frustrating. She was later diagnosed with IBS and chronic fatigue syndrome, but not offered many solutions. At this point, she took matters into her own hands and tried removing a lot of different foods from her diet. She saw a little bit of improvement, but it made her super stressed, which made so many other things worse. She felt like she had nothing left to eat, and she would spend hours trying to figure out what to bring for lunch and what she could make for her meals. She really wanted to be with her friends. She wanted to be social, but she felt like she couldn't even go out to eat because she had to modify everything on the menu with all of her restrictions. And then all of that just made her feel like she'd rather stay home and be alone. And this made her super depressed on top of already feeling depressed that she wasn't feeling well. Can anyone relate here? When I met Amanda, I knew there were some other things underlying this. And when doctors told her that it was in her head, well... Perhaps it was, but not in the way that you may think. And I knew we had to look there to solve her health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Amanda's digestive struggles. Joining me on the show today to talk much more about this is Angela Priven. Suffering with IBS in her 20s and 30s was actually a wake-up call for her, and her gut issues was really a cry for help, and her body was telling her that she really needed to identify what wasn't working so that she could change it. And then, after solving her digestive issues naturally, Angela became a digestive health coach to help people like her who were told that it was all in their head by their doctors. Now she combines diet, supplementation, and testing with subconscious work to really get results for her clients. Angela, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. I know that the more you studied the gut, the more you realized that doctors were not totally wrong about the role of the brain in physical issues. And addressing the brain and emotions is actually a huge missing piece for so many people when it comes to all types of health issues. And our mind and our body are really, really connected. I would love to start with this mind-body connection. And if you could also tell us more, how did you get into this? How did you make this connection first? Sure. Well, um, you know, in my 20s, when I had IBS and I went to the doctor, I fully expected them to, when they diagnosed me, to have a solution. And when they sort of shrugged and said, I'm sorry, this, there's nothing we can do. You have to live with it. And then they would throw around words like, well, perhaps it's in your head, which I read as perhaps you're making it up or perhaps you're crazy or perhaps you're hysterical. That was very alienating, very isolating and a bit traumatic. And so I, I felt very much on my own, basically from diagnosis to healing, like a six something, five, six year journey. I just tried all the physical things. And finally, I stumbled upon the thing that worked for me, 
but it was, it was diet and it was supplementation. It was detox, you know, and it was rest. And I thought, okay, well, doctors just don't understand this is physical. This is not mental or emotional. Um, but then uh, fast forward about 15 years where I got another diagnosis um, for Hashimoto's because I had some antibodies that were a little bit on the higher side. And, um, you know, that diagnosis th- threw me for a loop because I thought to myself, well, I'm, I can't possibly do better with my diet or, or my lifestyle or my supplements. Like that's all dialed in. And it was causing me so much stress and all that kind of trauma came out from having IBS in the first place that I started looking at the mind-body connection. I started looking at the stress response. I started looking at trauma. I started looking at the subconscious mind. And by just doing that work and that work alone, I was able to lower my antibodies. And that's amazing. I love hearing that. Yeah. And, you know, and also working with my clients, I would see that it wasn't just physical. You know, the way people felt about the food that they ate was was really, you know, telling of how they would react to it. And there was always like precursors of emotional things that happened before they got sick. And I thought to myself, you know, this isn't just one sided, it isn't just a body thing. It's the it's it's your beliefs, it's the, your experiences, it's what make them mean. It's all like a package. The brain talks to the gut, the gut talks to the brain, and then you're starting this cycle. And that's really, I think, what IBS is, is a cycle of the brain talking to the gut and feedback, um, a feedback loop. And you can break the feedback loop by working on the body or the brain, or if you work on both, really, you're going to have the most success. And, you know, while this isn't a new concept for a lot of people in terms of this mind-body connection, I think that there's really not a lot of clarity around it. You know, so when, and you mentioned, you know, a lot of times that's the gut talking to the brain and vice versa in the feedback loops. How does the autonomic nervous system play a role here? The autonomic nervous system is how the brain talks to the gut. And so it talks to the vagus nerve. That's the main nerve that's attached to most of the digestive organs and it regulates breathing and blood pressure, detox. So all these unconscious things that the body does to run every day is regulated by this nervous system and motility is part of it too, which is a big deal for IBS. If the nervous system is dysfunctional, if it's not sending the proper messages, if the nerve itself is not well-toned, then these organs are not getting the right signals to work optimally. And then they're sending stress signals back to the brain. So um, that's how these messages, like the thoughts that you have actually is what affect the functioning of the nervous system as well. Okay. Well, let's talk about that connection a little bit. So how would the thought affect the functioning? Because I think, and again, this is not a new concept. And I mean, even just looking at social media, right? There's so many graphics like your thoughts affect this and it affects this, you know, and people know that, but how does it really do that? Because as much as we sort of quote unquote know it, a lot of people don't really understand it. And if we don't understand it, it's hard to then make a switch, right? And like have that shift happen. Exactly. Exactly. You have to know what you're dealing with. 
So this is where I'm going to introduce the concept of the subconscious mind, which is what I work with people using hypnosis. So you have the conscious mind, which is uh, the mind that I think people think is dominant, which is the mind that's the logical mind. We use it to plan and analyze. It's the mind that would do like math equations and be really analytical. And then there's a subconscious mind that's like 80 or 90% of our mind that really actually runs the show. And it's not a logical mind. It's a emotional mind. It really is. And, and it's also, we call it the subconscious mind because we're not even aware of what's in there, but it records and stores everything, all of our experiences, all of our memories, all of our emotions, and what that what we have the sense that we make out of them. So it's all stored in the subconscious mind and that's what drives our behavior. So that's actually what's running the show. So imagine when you're sick and you're dealing with an issue and you're not getting anywhere, you're having setback after setback, nothing's working. There's a subconscious thought, nothing's going to work or my body is broken. These are common ones. So that is going to send a stress signal to the nervous system and to the immune system. And it could really inflame things in an immune system capacity. And just because your body is perceiving weakness and danger, and it's inflaming in response. So that's basically how a subconscious thought translates into um, physical reality, it causes the nervous system to go into fight or flight, the famous fight or flight, and it causes the immune system to inflame. And it sounds like with the thoughts, you know, sometimes, as you mentioned, it could be subconscious, but sometimes people might even be aware of the thought, right? Like they might actually say out loud, hey, you know, I feel broken, nothing is happening, nothing is going to work. So would you say that those can create equal amounts of inflammation if their thought is there, but you don't even realize this versus you realizing it and actually saying it? Would that be more powerful in terms of the creating more inflammation? I think it's just as powerful. Mm. If you're saying it consciously or subconsciously, it's powerful. But when you're saying it consciously, you're just aware it has risen from the subconscious into the conscious and you are aware of it. And we want to be aware of it because when we are aware of it, then we can change it. We can work on it. We know what we're dealing with. Right, right. Absolutely. And I can imagine for many people, these thoughts are subconscious. They don't realize that they are possibly sabotaging themselves and that they have some of these, say, negative thoughts and beliefs. And some of these things I know can come from what we're dealing with currently, but some of them could be coming from past experiences, right? Exactly. So the subconscious is formed between the age of zero and eight. So from birth to eight, our formative life experiences in that age kind of flavor our perception of the world. Is the world a safe place? Um, can I trust people? Like, what do I expect? That all happens from your childhood experiences. And when we're talking about past traumas, and traumas are just basically um, things that happened to us that were just too intense for us to process and we're holding it onto it in our bodies and in our subconscious. And it's like we're reliving it, like it's happening in the present moment. Because the interesting thing about the subconscious mind is that it cannot tell imagination or thoughts from reality. 
it cannot tell. And that's actually a really good thing um, because that's what we use to rewire our subconscious. Mm. Yeah. So those things that happen to us at that age, we, we don't have control at that age, what happened to us, but we can work with that consciously to rewire what it means and to feel safer. Right, right, which is amazing. Since we all have these unconscious thoughts and beliefs, if someone isn't as aware, what are some things that they can do to possibly become aware or at least somewhat aware of what some of these underlying thoughts could be that could be hurting them and creating more of their digestive issues or other health issues? Yeah, I mean, slowing down. So a trauma response is just to go really fast and be really busy so you don't feel your feelings um, or get quiet enough to like really connect to what's going on. So anything that's meditative, so to slow down and uh, to take a meditative walk or meditation itself. Meditation is just watching your mind. And the more you sort of train your mind to watch its thoughts, the more you become conscious of the things that just keep coming up and rotating. And it's almost like it's, there's like the thoughts are on rotation and eventually you'll contact them and for people who like to write journaling is a good way also to get in touch with the subconscious and then there's a there's a practice called an inquiry practice which is something that I do where you just sort of do monologues with with people where you answer a question or you talk about a topic for like 15 minutes and it's just free flow conversation and something comes out of that so it's just basically slowing down and using meditation, writing, words, or just being really quiet to be able to connect to what you're, what's going on inside. Um, and also, <laughs> hypnosis is um, amazing. Um, that's what I discovered when I was on my journey to figure out what was going on um, with my stress response and and my trauma from being sick in the first place. And I had also a lot of issues with my feeling like my body was broken, even though I hadn't had any digestive issues in over 17 years. I still, I think, was holding on to this belief that like maybe that my body was weaker than other people's bodies and maybe more vulnerable. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think for so many people who deal with health issues, even once they resolve them, you know, whether it's through conventional means, though usually it's, you know, through natural means, I think there is this sort of underlying, like, they're better now, but what if it goes back to that, right? And sometimes, you know, we have maybe a little flare up and it's nothing like what we used to feel, but it can trigger us, right? And it can remind us of, oh, that time 15 years ago when I couldn't get out of the bathroom or I was late for here or whatever it was, right? And sometimes like you have one episode of something which could be completely unrelated, right? It could be you got food poisoning one day or, you know, just something happened that is quote unquote a normal thing and it just brings you back there. And then all of that trauma sort of, it comes back up, right? Yep. And it can cause more problems on top of it, right? Because that re-triggering of that old stuff can cause actually new issues or make them last longer. And it's just becomes this vicious cycle. You're like, oh yeah, it, it's, it's, it's back again. Otherwise, you know, if you could be calm about it, it would mostly go away on its own pretty quickly and you could move on. Um, but you can't be calm about it. It's not willpower. It's not something that you usually can do. This is the kind of 
work that you do therapy with, you do hypnosis around it, you do trauma therapy to really rewire your response and to create a new belief about yeah, your resiliency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what I'd love to get into because I think what's important for people to know is that as you mentioned, our thoughts and beliefs create some of the physical things that we're feeling and manifest that, right? So first and foremost, we need to be aware that there's this connection, right? And as you mentioned, kind of being a little bit more quiet, listening for the thoughts, because those thoughts aren't loud and you're not saying them out loud to yourself, but a lot of times we're thinking it and it's like so faint and it's just so quick, but if we just slow down and listen, you know, we can catch them. And then if we're able to catch them, or perhaps even if we're not, but we know that there are some things here, then there is something that we can do to, as you say, unprogram or rewire that. So let's talk about hypnosis because I think this is just such a great modality. And it's one that, again, people are aware of. It's not such an odd thing anymore like it was maybe you know 50 years ago, but I don't think there's still that much clarity around that either. So what exactly is hypnosis and how does it work and how can it help people who are dealing with some of these digestive and other health issues? Yeah, I mean, hypnosis, I think still just because of Hollywood has a lot of sort of mythology around it. And I think that uh, makes some people very suspicious um, because they think, well, I I don't want to be out of control or I don't want someone controlling my mind. That is a complete fallacy because no one can control your mind. When we go into the subconscious, when we connect to the subconscious, which basically, when you hypnotize someone, you are just putting them in a relaxed state where their brain waves change from the beta brain waves, which is the conscious brain waves of your conscious critical mind, and to an alpha or a theta state, which is a meditative brain wave. So you're just basically guiding them um, to change their brain waves. And this is a state, the hypnosis state is a state that we go in and out of daily. It's not something magical. It's, you know, when you're in a flow state, when you're, I don't know, working on something and you're just like, that is your world. And you're just so focused on that. Um, it's either you're doing a sport or you're doing something creative or you're watching a movie and you're so engrossed and like your concentration is single pointed and you're completely there. Um, And it could even happen when you're kind of like driving and it's like a pretty scenery and you kind of drift off. And in that brainwave change, you become more suggestible, meaning your subconscious mind opens up, you know, that that critical, the critical conscious mind steps aside, the one that says no, can't because that steps aside, that judge steps aside, and then that subconscious mind, which is just possibility opens up and it becomes suggestible like a computer that you can program and um, we become much more susceptible to suggestions. So um, hypnosis uses that state to give positive suggestion and rewire through the positive suggestion. And so the subconscious works um, with um, images and it works with words. So you can self-hypnotize yourself and do positive affirmations to create good suggestions. And then you can do visualizations because, like I said, the subconscious mind can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So if you imagine yourself, say, 
being healed, living the life you want, eating what you want, going out with friends, not worrying about going to the bathroom. You're really seeing that for yourself. You're like, it's already happening. Your subconscious mind is taking that to be your new reality. So that's how you're rewiring. But, you know, with hypnosis, it's a guided kind of therapeutic experience. And in the style that I study, you actually regress people back. And usually it's chat to childhood when we find out the root cause of like why do you think the way you do or why do you self-sabotage or why are you afraid of this or whatever the issue is um you know you can use it for any issue from from a sleep issue to uh, compulsive eating it usually stems back from something that happened as a kid when you're watching your parents do do things and they're programming you. You're so suggestible as a kid. Right. Cause at a kid, you don't have a logical mind really when you're very young. So it's, it's all subconscious, right? So it's all suggestible. You're really all subconscious. Mm-hmm. Now with the style that you're explaining as you regress people back, if there is a traumatic experience or, you know, to a child, it doesn't have to be like a big T trauma, right? It could be like little T or something that to them felt traumatic. Does that, when they're in that state, does it feel that they're sort of getting re-traumatized or that they're kind of back in that spot because the subconscious mind doesn't know, I guess, what's happening now or what's imagined? Does it work sort of in the other direction as well? Yes, they train you for that um, in the school that I went to. And we, when something is very intense, then we just make sure they realize this is this is you're you're not there. It's not happening again. You're watching this happen as if it was a movie. So you have to really frame it that way. Got it. And so then people regress back to figure out you know where that stems from, right? And then what would happen after that? After that, I mean, we would go back to about three scenes. Then after those three scenes, the the client kind of looks at the three scenes just to see if there's a connection between these three scenes that came up that the subconscious presented to be dealt with and the problem. And then they sort of, they have to figure out and do the detective work themselves because they are the ones that need to see it. You can see it, but if they don't see it, it's not going to be as effective. So they, they, they experience it, they see it, they connect it. And then we rewire it, we reframe it. And usually it's as simple as, okay, well, that's what you felt like when you were seven years old, but you're not seven years old and helpless anymore. You can make your own decisions. Like maybe you you couldn't eat what you wanted to eat when you were seven. Maybe um, you were forced to eat things you didn't like to eat and you have all, all this trauma around food. And now no one is telling you what to eat. You know, your mind actually gets stuck in that seven-year-old self. And it has to be reminded that you are not seven years old anymore and that you have power and control as an adult to do what you want. And it seems so simple, but on a subconscious mind level, it's like almost like from a computer level, you just need to reboot it to the new yeah. <laughs> to a new program. It's stuck in like an old program. You need to reboot it to the present reality. You're 
your subconscious mind still thinks it's seven and is going to be forced to eat things. At that point, you know, the client makes the connection. And then when they're more suggestible, would you or the therapist that's working on hypnosis, would they then say certain phrases or make the suggestions or how would that work? Yeah. And so the form that I um, have studied is called RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy. And basically at the very end, um, I do a 15 minute recording. We put them back into hypnosis in the beginning of the recording. And we do like a 15 minute recording, all with positive suggestions to rewire what came up during the session. Got it. And they listen to that for three weeks under hypnosis. So they go into that state and they listen to it for three weeks or longer. It's minimum of three weeks. Um, it really works. It's kind of amazing. People really have amazing shifts. And it seems like so, so simple, but yet it's just kind of neuroscience and just using how the brain works, how the subconscious works to um, create the reality that you want to live in right now and not, you know, not get stuck in fight or flight, not get stuck in a situation that is not going on anymore. I mean, that's what trauma is. You get stuck. Right. Now, of course, every person is different, but when it comes to digestive issues and, you know, IBS, bloating, gas, all the things that that comes with, when you work with people uh, with hypnosis, are there any common thoughts or common beliefs that tend to come up and then sort of common rewiring phrases that tend to be helpful? And I, again, I understand obviously everyone's different, but I'm just curious if there's, you know, some type of commonality that you're seeing. You know, it's so interesting. It's, sometimes it doesn't even have to do with health at all. It's about confidence. It's about self-worth. It's about empowerment. It's a lot of the things that um, I talk about in the transformational recording, you just need to phrase it in the positive. You are able to, you are able to travel. You are able to eat what you want. You are able to do things that other people do. So it's like um, taking them out of this isolation that they experience and putting them into visualizing a life that that they want and they don't maybe believe is possible. And we don't have to talk about not believing it's possible. We just need to like sort of lay out that life that they want for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I think I already used the, my example, a lot of people think that there's something kind of wrong with their body and that their body is broken, but we don't, we don't like focus on your body is not broken. We don't do that. We focus on all the things that they're doing that they wish they could do, you know, like certain sports or, you know, a way for the spontaneous weekend and without having to bring a bag of food. So those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. For people that are dealing with issues but are doing better, but because of that are in this very restrictive diet, they get into this situation where they kind of feel stuck. So even if they're feeling better, it sounds like this could be really helpful to take them to the next level, right? Absolutely. Because if they're stuck in any kind of fear, this will take them out. And I just, by, by the way, I just want to say, I'm not a trauma therapist. That's not what I do. And most of the work that I do with people, there's really not a lot of like big trauma that comes up. It's like little stuff, really, but the, the smallest stuff 
can really affect you as a kid. It's like a tonic, a teacher, something like that. Yes. I'm so glad you're saying that because that's really good to know because I talk to so many people and obviously I so much believe in the mind-body connection as you do. And that's a big part of my practice as well. And people often tell me, well, I don't have any bad things that happened to me. I had a normal childhood, you know, nothing terrible happened and no one died when I was young, you know, some of those big things that we think about. And it's exactly that. It's not about that. You know, sometimes a person of authority, like a teacher scolded you in front of the class. And that was embarrassing. And that created shame. My goodness, that shame can have such a big effect, right? On your immune system, nervous system, and everything else. So yes, I'm so glad you're saying that because those little things do make a difference. And I think that's really hopefully empowering for people to hear, knowing that some of those things that they may not think are a big deal actually can be big triggers for their physical conditions. Yeah, well said. What I find it's more like that kind of stuff where, you know, uh, observing parents um, being workaholics and then becoming a workaholic, that kind of thing. Um, and then rewiring. And then the, the, the parent would say to them, you you know, you, you'll never get anywhere unless you work really hard and, you know, mm-hmm. no, no pain, no gain, that kind of thing. And then you would, you kind of embody that you would internalize that. Um, and that's not yours. And then you work yourself too much. You know what I mean? And that becomes a habit that drives physical issues, right? Yeah. So many physical issues for sure. I can relate to that personally because I grew up in that type of environment, you know, and it's like, you know, and I could certainly see the the reasoning behind it, right? Like, your parent, you know, my parents wanted me to be hardworking and, and succeed. I mean, any parent would want their child to, right? But but it's sort of that thought, like you said, it's like, well, you're not working unless you're working hard. And unless you're working really hard, you know, unless you're pushing and and pulling and just like going against the grain, you're not really gonna get anywhere. Like it has to be hard or else it's not work, <laughs> you know. Exactly. And just rewiring that belief on itself. Yeah. But think about too, like with that, like just taking it out of the mind, like just the the weight of those words, right? Like how much tension does that create in the body, right? How much, like no wonder people have digestive issues, like your nervous system and your intestines are literally like tied up in a knot from all that pressure, right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, I I think we, we've had a little bit probably of a similar upbringing because yes, I, that was modeled for me too. Um, you know, actually something that my, my parents said to me, um, was they would show me, um, people who were like the the garbage collectors who are actually, it's a very well-respected job and they actually make a lot of money, but they would say, if you don't go to college, you know, you'd have to pick up boxes, you know? So there was just that kind, that kind of thing. It's like, that's such a throwaway thing. Like it's not, it's not a trauma. It's such a throwaway thing, but I, it always made me, uh, achieve to past my like what is healthy for me you know what I mean it was always I do I think I think you you get it I totally get it and and that's so interesting I mean that's it's an interesting way to relate it and it's obviously not a good way to do it but but I mean so many similar things I'm sure happen to so many people it's so interesting yeah so that you know one of my issues was always just going too hard just being too intense and going too hard and not really knowing how to rest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we look at it more from like just universal principles, right? Sometimes, I mean, it is important to go after what we want, right? No one is saying like sit on the couch and do nothing, right? But sometimes, you know, pushing and pushing, pushing, like that might be a sign, like maybe 
that's not meant to go that way, right? If you have to push that hard or, you know, maybe there's something else happening here. You know, I think, as you mentioned, that's the flow state with hypnosis. In a way, I mean, this is the state we sort of want to be in all the time, right? I mean, of course, there's struggles and things that happen, but we do want to try to go with the flow and sort of ideally, right, if possible, have the thought that like there is something or someone that has our back in some way, right? Yeah, that anything is possible, that we are supported, that we can create the life that we want. We, it's, it's kind of just really, it's kind of unprogramming. It's just unprogramming and really finding out who we are and what we want and putting our own sort of thoughts and desires in that subconscious rotation. Mm -hmm. Now, what would you say to someone who just can't see it? So what I mean is, you know, someone that, you know, you may ask them, okay, well, how do you want to feel, right? Or imagine yourself in the moment right now feeling like your stomach is at ease, right? Or that you're going on the trip. And, you know, they may say, okay, let me try. And they're like, I can't, I can't, like my stomach is hurting. All I keep thinking about is how much it hurts. I can't even imagine myself on a trip because every time I try to think of it, my body just goes, no, 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 like you could never do that. Yeah, that's the conscious mind. So when you're under hypnosis, you're much more open to the possibility. Like the, the, the conscious critical mind will not go there. That's in, in, when you're in the subconscious flow state and you're open like a child, um, you're just much more likely to contact something like that. Gotcha. Well, that's good to know. Only because when we talk about affirmations and as helpful as they can be for a lot of people, it just doesn't feel true to them, right? So they could say, I am calm. And then they're like, oh, I'm so stressed. Oh my gosh. You know, like, I am yes, calm. Yes. And then they're like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's good to know that that when they get into that state, which it sounds like, as you're saying, they're already in it here and there, but if they're guided, it's not a hard state to get into. It, they don't have to meditate for three hours to get there, right? Like they could get there with a therapist much quicker that they are going to be more receptive to that. That's good to know. Yeah. And it's not toxic positivity. <laughs> it's not that at all. It's actually just getting in touch with a part of yourself that is just more open. And you don't really put words in people's mouth. We know I do an interview before and I use their words. So I just use their words, not my words. So what do you want? And they say, oh, I want, I want to feel free. So in the recording, I say, you are feeling so free, you know, and in this hypnotic state where they're suggestible, they're open to it. They're taking it in. It's all being recorded and processed. And reshuffle. Oh, that's so great to know because there's so many people who are dealing with IBS and all types of digestive issues. And for some of them, working on some of the physical stuff does help like it did for you. But, you know, as you're saying, it still leaves a lot of underlying stuff. But for a lot of other people, it's the physical stuff is just not enough. You know, they take probiotics, they do cleansing, they change their diet and it just makes them more stressed and it doesn't make them feel better, right? So it's just so good to know that there is this other option or these other options that they can explore, you know, especially with hypnosis. So I find that too. People get so into the healing that they get stressed and it's just, it backfires. And that's a fear response. And so you can work on that in hypnosis. Why are you, why do you have to be so perfect? You know, people think, I think maybe, you know, one thought that I've come across is people think they won't, they can't heal unless they're perfect. 
And that becomes, you know, apparent, the expected perfection from them. And that thought is probably something that goes along many areas of their life too, right? They can't heal if they're not perfect. They can't do a good job if they're not perfect. They can't, you know, so healing that could not only help them with their digestive issues, but it can help them probably in their career and in life and, and family. Just ease, you know, more ease in your life, less stress, feeling better about yourself. That is life changing, changing your relationship with yourself. That's foundational. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I people say a lot, you know, everything starts with the gut, but it sounds like you agree with me on this where I would say, well, actually everything starts with the nervous system because that controls the gut. So this is huge. Oh, that's wonderful. Angela, this has been so enlightening and so helpful. And I just want everyone to know that all of these other possibilities are here. So if someone is not getting where they want to go with just physical stuff, you know, it's been so helpful just to see that all of this is available and there's just a whole other world out there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a possibility that is not about trying harder. It's about letting go. letting go and kind of accepting and exploring and understanding yourself. Well, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much for being here and for all this information. Now, for those that want to connect with you, where can they find you and how can they reach you? Um, Well, I hang out on Instagram. I'm do-it-yourself-health. And then my website is DIY Health Blog. And DIY stands for do-it-yourself. So it's DIYHealthBlog.com. Great. And I know you and I connected on Instagram. So um, that's a good place to connect for sure. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. It was my pleasure. Ah, the mind. It plays such a huge role in all areas of our life and our health. So to truly be able to heal, we have to look at things from every angle. And in addition to all the biochemical support, we have to mind our mind. I knew that restricting Amanda's diet even further was not going to be the answer, at least not right away. So instead, we worked on focusing on mindset and exploring her thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We did that with various mind-body techniques, utilizing the mind-body code, EMDR principles, coaching aspects, releasing the past exercises, as well as self-hypnosis. In just two short months, it was amazing how much things shifted for her. She felt lighter, more inspired, and much more in control of her body in a good way. As she started to feel better, we then started to look more into her biochemistry. We did some testing with stool and organic acids, and we found that she had some dysbiosis, which is overgrowth of bad bacteria. So we worked on that with antimicrobials, and then we repopulated her gut with probiotics and supported it with short-chain fatty acids. Her organic acid tests showed that her mitochondria, which are the little batteries inside all of our cells, that those were not properly supported. So we used a formula called mitochondrial energy from Designs for Health, as well as molecular hydrogen from Allergy Research Group to help support that. Along with this, Amanda continued the different practices on connecting with her body and watching her thoughts. In terms of food, we actually didn't apply a restrictive approach. Instead, I had her journal on her symptoms at the end of each day, and we were able to figure out which foods made her feel better and which made her feel worse. Then, instead of specifically restricting them, we worked on seeing the connection between how they made her feel and really listening to her body. 
that helped her decrease these foods without feeling deprived. We thought about it more from the perspective that these foods didn't agree with her rather than the thinking that she wasn't allowed to eat them. Just that little shift in thinking made a big difference. The mind is really quite powerful. If Amanda sounds like someone you know, can you please share this episode with them? And please be sure that you're subscribed so that you never miss an episode. As always, when it comes to your health mysteries, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there really is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Health Mysteries Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.